Welcome back to Noise Avocation Podcast, the weekly show on all things music related. I'm Ryan, as always, here with Jeremy. How's it going, everybody out there? Um, you can find our social media for the podcast at Noise Avocation Podcast on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram at Noise Avocation. Uh, you can email us at noiseavocationgmail.com with questions, comments, concerns, whatever. Or if you're just, you listened to an episode and you were like, oh, cool, I heard something I liked in here and wanted to say that you learned something. Or, or just send fuck, hate or mail. Just, yeah, if you want to send hate mail, uh, fuck off. <laughs> and uh, myself, you can follow at Soundwaveslave on Instagram. And I don't really use Facebook outside of advertising for the record store and the podcast. So and you can find me at holdfast underscore 517 on instagram i haven't posted anything in like a week so that's exciting yeah you gotta keep up on that I shit know. to get anywhere with it but it's i do the same thing i don't post for a week or two at a time or whatever so we have some more interviews coming up in the next following week or so and i'm not going to tell you who but there was a melodic death metal album that came out recently. That, and that's all you need to know. Yeah, that both of us really loved, and I, I managed to be able to set up an interview with uh, the band. So definitely stay tuned for that, and we'll drop the surprise. And if you're into today, though, we have uh, Killbot here with us. Uh, many of you who are on YouTube and have watched pretty much a metal video of almost any band, really... I mean, he kind of follows each All side metal, of the spectrum, yeah. metal, goth rock, a uh, little bit of in-between, some funny skits, the marshmallows thing, definitely check that out, it was funny. Weird looks people give you when wearing metal shirts, I thought it was a funny episode he had. Yeah, um, but anyways, Killbot and Gorgor Attack, follow him on instagram you can check out his youtube channel as well definitely subscribe go. ring the bell all that shit yep we're gonna jump into the convo with killbot here so killbot thanks for joining us first off and taking the time to jump on the show i really appreciate it what's up big daddy <laughs> first off uh, my kid wanted me to tell you what's up because you're like his favorite youtuber so he was uh Ooh. He was like, dude, you got to tell him I said hi. <laughs> so just so he listens, right. <laughs> when he listens, he can go, all right, sweet. Yeah. Don't do drugs, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I appreciate your uh, I don't drink videos because he looks up to that stuff. And I don't drink either. So, I mean, it's like a double positive influence on him. Yeah, that video was slightly polarizing. I had a lot of good and encouraging commentary from that one, but I also had some weird commentary as well one of the biggest criticisms i got was oh well, you're talking about sugar and alcoholic beverages but you drink a lot of mountain dew it's like well you know i drink a little bit of mountain dew per day and then i'm done but the average alcoholic they don't stop at one they gotta have five six seven yes <laughs> well up here and in northern you notice, michigan I we know all good. about alcoholics i'm not overweight at all you know <laughs> you're not you're pretty little dude <laughs> You're I still, exercise uh, all the fucking time. Yeah, I remember. I seen your uh, Italian I'm jogging here uh, picture that you posted not that long ago. <laughs> oh, my own. <laughs> so, yeah, trying uh, to do my Polly Walnuts impression. Yeah. Rest in peace, Polly Walnuts. Tell me about it, man. He was such a great actor. 
The Sopranos wouldn't have been shit without him. I mean, Tony was great and all, but Pauly was... Did you know that he wouldn't sign off on to do that show? He was like, I cannot be a rat. I will do anything, but do not make me a rat, and I will sign on. I thought that was kind of <laughs> fucked up. I didn't know, though. Yep. Ray I mean, there's a theory that, that he kind of turned on Tony towards the end, but that's one theory. Yeah, I mean, like, with positions of power in there, though, I mean, you kind of, it, it's going to go, shit's going to go in your direction a little and the other direction a little, and you're going to have conflict in that long of a lifestyle, or in that lifestyle for that long, I should say. Well, no honor amongst thieves. Yeah, that, that could be a whole nother episode discussing what happened there, but... <laughs> yeah, but anyway. we're not a movie podcast. Yeah. Or television show. So you, know, um, you can always diversify your output. Expand I mean, the horizons. We, we did do mo- an episode on movie soundtracks that went over really oh. well. And that was a lot of fun because, one, we got to go back and listen to a lot of soundtracks. But just to hear everybody else that kind of chimed in with yeah. their favorite stuff, it was cool to see what everybody else is into. The Return of the Living Dead soundtrack. Ooh. Yeah, that's one that we actually didn't have on the list, but it is a great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the uh, the Da Vinci Code soundtrack on there, and then I know there was like we had to limit ourselves to not have John Williams be mm-hmm. the only person on the episode from all the soundtracks he's done. Have some Vandals, the Blade Runner soundtrack. Yeah, I put the tr- legend. Did I put the Tron Legacy soundtrack on there? I don't know if I did. I really like that. It was about, like, 15 episodes ago, so yeah, I really don't, I don't remember. Know. So, anyways, on a Sunday, you're going to Richmond, if I remember correctly? That's right. Going to see Clan of Zymox, a Dutch darkwave band, and I'm excited to see them because with these international bands, well, they have to pay a lot of taxes if they want to tour in the United States. So, from what I understand, the taxes are getting higher than ever now, and... I have a feeling that some of these bands aren't going to come back for a long time. Is it the taxes that they have to pay, like, out of their earnings that's the issue, or is it to pay to come get here? I think it's the work visas more than anything. Okay. They're making it more difficult to get the work visas? More difficult and more expensive. And I just finished reading the Nightwish biography, and they mentioned in the mid-2000s that it was pretty expensive to tour in the United States. I can't imagine what it's like now. Yeah, I'm guessing it didn't go down any. I mean, you go to quite a few shows. I've watched your videos on concert stories and whatnot, and it sounds like you've been to quite a few. What's the most expensive concert that you've paid for? Just on principle, I choose to not pay more than $100 for a concert ticket. And the reason for that is because I can see so many great bands for $25, $30. Oh, most definitely. And possibly get to meet the bands afterwards. So it's like, you know, why pay a fortune for a seat in a stadium? Uh, to answer your question, though, I think I paid with fees. I think it was sixty-five the last time I saw Nine Inch Nails over in Cleveland. Best show I ever saw. It <laughs> was kind of recently, wasn't it? Yep, that was in September. They got the '90s lineup back on stage with them because the day before they were doing a thing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So they got Richard Patrick and Danny Loner and Chris Brown and all those other guys. And so the next night when the show happened, by the way, I dragged my mom to the show. Nice. <laughs> yeah, nights are out opened. Ministry was another opener, and mom heard me talk about Ministry for years, so she was like, "Oh my God, Ministry!" 
And yeah, then 65 came bucks on and just blew totally the shit legit. out of everybody. Yeah, 65 seems actually like really good. Way more than reasonable for nine inch nails in Ohio. I mean, I, I bought a lawn ticket and then somebody that I met the day before, he wanted a better ticket. He had a seat under the pavilion and he wanted a pit ticket. And so he gave me his other pavilion ticket and said, here, under the pavilion will be your home for the rest of this evening. Bitching. And the sound quality in that place was so fucking good. It's at the Blossom Music Center in Cleveland. Okay. Or, or Cuyahoga Falls or whatever the fuck they call it now. Yeah. <laughs> did you go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum while you were there? Yes, I did because they had a Nine Inch Nails fan day the day before. And I'd already been to the Hall of Fame earlier in the year, but this time they were having a fan day and I, I just couldn't miss it. Yeah, I plan on taking my kid nice. there soon. How far are you from there? That's quite a drive. Well, my, my mom lives in Cleveland, so it's oh, one of those things okay. where I, I fly out from North Carolina to go see her, and then I go sightseeing. Oh, okay. I've come to figure that I've gone to see shows in 11 different states, and a big part of that is because of my connections across the country. I've got family in New Orleans. I used to have family in Philadelphia. I used to stay in Georgia for a while. Oh, yeah, then there was the X Order reunion, which happened in New York, so... It's one of those things, if you care enough and you're willing to pay the money to fly, go for it. It's fun. You yeah. meet new people, see new crowds, see new venues. So did you move to North Carolina, or were you born there? I was born here, which explains why I'm so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been in Michigan at all? Nope. Everybody do the Michigan ride. There's uh, <laughs> quite a few Detroit venues. Detroit, um, Rock City. If you're ever, like, in the Michigan area or coming up this way, let us know. We'll come down and meet you, like, somewhere in Detroit. Sure, oh, I'd even that. meet you in Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland's not terribly far either. Plus, I do want to take my kid to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum. Definitely take him, you know. It's, uh, it's historical. So many so many things they had. And I, I didn't realize how goddamn small Patty Smith was. They had one of her T-shirts there yeah. and behind the glass, and it's like, wow, she was tiny. Yeah. Her armpit hair wasn't that tiny, though. And she never wore a bra, so it's kind yeah. of gross. Hell yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah! So, <laughs> is Clan of Zymox playing by themselves, or is anybody else with them? Uh, their opener is called the Bellwether Syndicate, and I haven't actually looked into them, but from what I understand, they're pretty good. I've heard good things about them, so that's going to be nice. Yeah, I never heard of them. I seen Ghost in February last year, and a band called Twin Temple opened up for them. Hmm. And they were like satanic doo-wop music. <laughs> yeah, this shit's crazy. It was... Uh, so kind of like Graves Era Misfits. <laughs> yeah, kind of, but less woeing. <laughs> or doo-wop. Yeah. Think like Amy Winehouse, but singing about like Satan and black magic and sex and violence and stuff. It was really cool. I saw a ghost when Papa 3 was still with them. Oh, that was quite a while ago then. That was a good show. Yeah. Yeah, they were a really Everybody fun show. in that place was singing along with it. Yeah, they have, like, really cool crowd energy when you see them. Like, it's almost like going to a pop show, but it's a, not a pop show, you know? But the energy there for the sing-along, it creates a cool atmosphere. Yeah, people shit all over ghosts, but they've never seen them live. If you go see them live, you'll understand. There was a lady here who was unable to go to the show, and she had VIP tickets, and she gave me the two VIP tickets to go, 
and it was nice. like full. You got to go in, meet the band, but they the tickets were unfortunately for Volby and not Ghost, but I still got to sit front row and watch Ghost, and I got picks and set lists and everything and like my son was with me and it was her, his first concert so and ghost is like his favorite band it was really cool oh, it was badass that new album in para i feel like i expected more out of them yeah. yeah it was it was a good album but Prakel set the bar so high yeah like that was my ghost album i bought it when it came out and i didn't really like it that much at first but the more it grew on me that's a solid album I like how they have a saxophone solo, and uh, I can't remember the track. I think it was Witch Hunt or something like that. But Miasma. Miasma. Yeah. Who plays the sax? I don't know. It was some guy. That's I don't, I don't cool. know his name. Thank yeah. you, Ghost, for bringing the saxophone back into rock and roll. Yeah. Saxophone is sexy. So you're also going to go to Guar Bar and to see Odorous's Memorial while you're at the Clan of Zymox show. Or, well, not while you're at it, but, you know, after... Man, you're going to make me start tearing up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I've already been to Guar Bar in 2017, and I know that that was pretty good. It's, it's awesome because you can have these excellent burgers, excellent barbecue sandwiches, excellent fries. And meanwhile, there are these Guar flyers and Guar memorabilia everywhere. And there's metal music playing on the radio. It's a but, like dive bar set up, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's probably more of a bar than a restaurant, hence the name Guar Bar. Yeah. But, like the kitchen closes at 10 and they're open till two so okay i noticed they had a vegan burger called we don't kill everything <laughs> yeah it's fucking so awesome and they had a bacon cheeseburger called the bacon executioner i want that yeah i was looking at the Looks menu so last night because i was like shit i've never been to guar bar i've heard the name tossed around but i was like oh, i'm gonna go see some pictures of it or whatever so i went to the website and then i was just peeking through the menu to see what they have you should see my video on it if you haven't. I know one of you has. I think I've seen it, but you have a lot of videos. Yeah, you do. Hey, got to keep them coming. <laughs> yeah. it's like, how many do you have? 337? or Is that right? Did you look that up? No, I, I <laughs> Ryan may have told I me. Lo- I looked it up, and then I told him a little bit ago. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've lost count. You know, I just that's, kind of yeah, that's keep moving lot. forward. Yeah, 337. When did you start making YouTube videos? Uh, 2015, but it wasn't a serious thing. It was this dystopia tape that I got on eBay that I had transferred to DVD. It wasn't on YouTube, and I wanted to see it on YouTube. That was kind of the premise of it, was I was still collecting vinyl, and there were vinyl reviews that I wanted to see that weren't on YouTube. So uh, dystopia was one, autopsy was another, and tombs was another. And so it it was just a small passion project. I think I may have uploaded less than 10 videos that year but once i did the nile video carl sanders saw the video and he posted on his own page and people in his comment section loved the video so it sat in my mind like hey wait a minute this could be a thing people enjoy this so 2016 it was on baby it was on like donkey kong how old were you when you first started making them Uh, let's see 2015 so i would have been I would have been 19 years old when I started. Damn, and to get reposted. I'm 27 from, now, so. To get where I'm 32, Jeremy. I'm I don't fucking even old, man. How old you are? You know, we're talking about <laughs> Polly there. Yeah, I got fucking wings for real, dude. <laughs> I don't get it. When I was a kid, you gals were old. Now I'm old, and you're still old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm glad I'm not an old woman. 
<laughs> you're always a little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're making me want to watch The Sopranos now. <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah you it's saw cool. this Nile video, fucking blew your shit up. Uh, that was the beginning of it. And then sometime in 2016, I did the rather flawed video on which was the first death metal album, Scream Buddy Gore or Seven Churches, which if I did that now, I would take a different approach because I feel like I left out a few albums. Yeah. As well as some brutal mispronunciations, but... That'll happen. I posted that to Reddit and that blew the fuck up. I think I may have had like 250 subscribers at that point. Wow. But by the end of the year, I had something like 5,000. Wow. Damn. So it kind of like started to happen... I don't want to say fairly quickly, but, it, you know, early on. It was motivational, you know, just to see so many people enjoy it. Right. Almost definitely, man. I mean, yeah, hundreds I mean, of thousands was, of people I, I still feel shit. like there's really nothing like my channel on YouTube. And some have tried, and some are pretty close, but, you know, they're still their own thing. I feel like, you know, you, you can't really copy my style. Well, well you, I mean, you definitely have a personality. Yeah. So it, like, sets you apart from the others. You know, you get a and guy. And it's not even just, just the acting crazy or anything. It's I cover topics that a lot of channels won't touch. Yeah, and you have a pretty uh, wide variety of varying bands that you cover too. It's not like you're just like, well, I do videos on Bathory, Dark Throne, and Immortal, and that's about it. I've seen black metal channels. I've seen channels where it's just some guy giving his opinion, dragging boxes to a fucking next to an album. And oh, like yeah. you make your stuff actually exciting to watch and you throw in little humorous tidbits in there. So I mean, you're selling yourself in the video. So, you know, you got to have not just be boring as shit. Yeah. Some, you know, hey, I can't fake it. You know, some people, they shed all over my personality and my style. They're like, oh, Killbot's cringe. But like, what's the other option? Yeah. There are so many boring goddamn channels on there that frankly shouldn't be doing. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I mean, some people are cut out for it and a lot of them aren't. You know, a lot of them, they can't take criticism and they freak out over the slightest bit of it. And it's like, what are you doing? You know, yeah, I like, take criticism all the time. It's part of the territory. Gotta have thick skin. Well, I, I do have a rule, though, that I don't read the comments until after I've had my coffee, because <laughs> sometimes sometimes you don't want to see negative shit first thing in the morning. That kind of sets the mood for the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I mean, you're up to, what, 57,000-ish subscribers or something like that. So you have quite a bit of comments coming across your way, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. And most of it's positive and encouraging. It's just one of those things where I, I kind of have to set boundaries. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's just fucking assholes out there, man, you know. For no reason. Yeah, other exactly. Than just, just to fuck with you. Well, it excites them, you know, and sometimes it, they don't really think the way they say they think in the comments. Sometimes they just want to get a reaction out of you. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking waste of time. Oh, yeah. Next month, you're going to see Carcass, Skinny Puppy, and The Residents, you said? Yeah. <laughs> so, are they all at, they're not all at the same show, are they? Man, wouldn't that be awesome? I, it would be, but, but like, yeah, I could I'm see. just thinking, that's a fucking crazy yeah, lineup. Dude, I could what? see Skinny Puppy and the Residents doing it together, but, but Carcass, Carcass, like, throws it all off. Let's see. The Residents are on April 2nd. Carcass is on the 12th, I think. Skinny Puppy, I'm seeing them two nights in a row. And I've got VIP tickets for one night. Uh, let's see, the 14th and the 15th. And I'm flirting with the idea of going to see Obituary on the 28th, but that's really going to depend on my finances. Yeah, that's with Immolation and Blood Incantation. 
Oh, hell yeah. Love Emulation. I do too. What did you think of their new album? Loved it. I have the long box. I've seen that. Do you collect Some long boxes albums. or do you, was that one you just grabbed just because? I grabbed it just because. Um, I also have Typo Negatives that again long box. I was going to ask that because nice. they just did that again. What about, I know you quit collecting records, but did you get the Origin of the Feces reissue that they did with the scratch and sniff cover? <laughs> that thing looks awesome, but no, I did not. Um, I, According to Discogs, I have 16 records left, including the 7 inches. That's not I many. used to have hundreds. I think I had somewhere in the ballpark 240-something at the height of it. Yeah. And then I realized one day, you know, I don't really play any of these. How many records do you have, Jeremy? I don't know, maybe around three thousand. <laughs> I knew it was quite a few, but nice. I don't know. I don't know. Wait till your next move. But that's like that's without forty fives, dude. I just moved them last two years ago. It was, Mine's yeah, all it was fucked two up years two ago. years ago yeah. now. And um, and Ryan, he just moved, and it's like when you're moving that many records, it's nobody else can do it but you. Yep. You know what I mean? Because they're like. You can't trust them because no, there's rare no. shit in there, and if somebody drops it, you're going to end up yep. dropping their skulls. <laughs> it's like you don't want your old lady doing it. You don't want your kid doing it. Like, Yep. Going to get smacked. <laughs> but, like, when you look at your record collection packed up versus your CD collection, you're like, wow. Oh, definitely. Definitely accumulates a lot less space. Oh, you can almost carry your whole CD collection in the back of your car. According to Discogs, I just looked at it, I have 994 CDs. Damn close to the thousand. I'm a, I think I have about eleven hundred records and two hundred CDs, maybe. I don't even know CDs. Wow. When I started selling my records, I started rebuying them on CD. And what ended up happening? The Ramones. I used to have all the Ramones studio albums on vinyl. I sold half of them and was able to rebuy the whole catalog on CD. Right. I mean, that's a big price difference yeah. right there. Did you own Adios Amigos or Mondo Bizarro on vinyl? Yes, I did. They, you... they weren't originals, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you mind if I ask what you paid for them? Uh, I didn't pay much for either of them. I think I paid something like $20 for each of them because this was back in 2015. Right. One of the first videos I did was the Ramones video, yeah. and I think I bought them specifically for the video. And even the Repops now, they're like... 150 on the low end. Yeah, you're not touching them. Those are oh, the, they cost an arm and a leg now. Yeah, those are the only two Ramones pressings that I'm missing. Like, they just did a box set not that long ago for Record Store Day, and it had all the Sire years in it. And but I'd like to get that. It's a live box set, that one that they just put out a couple of years ago. Yeah, I've seen that one, too. It was a CD box set, wasn't it? CDs and one record, I think. Okay. I mean, I, I haven't bought a record in so long. The last record I bought was Death Peggy, Welcome to the Record. That was a record store day release, and the only reason I bought it was because it wasn't on CD. And that's why I've kept the records I've kept is because yeah, they're not on CD. Yeah, you need it on some format or another. Right. What's the last thing you bought then? The last record you bought, record meaning anything. Oh, you just said Death Peggy. Oh, yeah, but was that on vinyl or was that... Yeah, overall, that was on vinyl. I'm saying like, what's the latest thing that you picked oh, oh, up? Oh, my bad. I miss. I misunderstood your question. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were well, talking records. Well, the latest CDs that came in the mail are Susie and the Banshees, Once Upon a Time, Fuck and yeah, Twice dude. Upon a Time. Well, that's good shit. So you're into like 
not only metal, but you're into the fucking, like you said, you're going to see dark wave bands and fucking, I've seen the Banshees, obviously, from the 80s. I wish she would tour. I'd, I'd love to see her. <laughs> but have I'm you, pretty versatile. Have you seen you know? her lately? Like, I mean, I'm still beautiful. Oh, man, I don't know. I I, uh, <laughs> I don't drink either, but I, I, I'm going to have to have a couple to even like. She just, <laughs> she's looking. Those British women, man, they don't age well. Yeah, I did see a post that you made that where you uh, completed Susie and the Banshees collection. Th- those are all original pressings, and some of them were easy to find. But like Hyena and A Kiss in the Dream House, I had to order those international, and they were thirty fucking dollars piece. Yeah, plus probably like twenty bucks shipping too. Oh, you bet. Even the remastered versions of some of those albums are expensive and hard to find. I don't know what it is. I I guess the band just didn't sell as many copies as I thought they did. Yeah, they probably uh, were limited runs when they did make them, and then they haven't really been repressed quite a and bit. They, they didn't get huge in the states either. No, the cure got huge, but Susie, I don't know. I guess it was more they were more popular Same, overseas. Yeah. Echo and the Bunnymen, all that stuff in that era. Ooh, I noticed joke. the cure's going Killing on joke. tour too. And um Killing Joke just dropped a new single this morning. I don't know if you heard oh, that. Oh, I didn't hear it. You hear that new Depeche Mode single that came out a couple weeks ago, uh, Ghosts Again? No. I was just it listening. Maybe fucking tear up a little because I know it's about their dead bandmate. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'll have to check it out. It sounds, it sounds yeah. just like old Depeche Mode. So, Tales from the Tube, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. That is... Ooh, it's Tales just, from the Tube. Just you, correct? Just me. All me. Have you been in bands before, or are you just kind of messing around just to have fun, or are you, are you planning on making more of it? Uh, I had a project with a neighbor when I was about 16. We recorded a seven-song demo. Only a couple of them are good i'd consider now <laughs> one of them i uploaded it's called blushing and the name of our project was backdoor bangers nice. <laughs> <laughs> i text the name as you can tell but um haven't really been in a band we we didn't do anything but we were just uh neighbor garage things what was the style of backdoor fucking bangers like rock and grunge i suppose oh okay he wrote a lot of songs about girls gotcha Hence the backdoor banging and girls. Yeah. It was Steel Panther before Steel Panther. <laughs> yep. Saw that not too long ago. I've never gotten to see them, but I have seen like videos, and I think their stage theatrics are hilarious. See them and take your kid. <laughs> <laughs> I remember asking him if he... Uh, knew who Steel Panther was, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I know them. I'm like, how the fuck do you know who Steel Panther yeah, is? Weird. Why are you listening to Gang Bang at the old folks? <laughs> <laughs> he, he threw out a million guitar picks, and I didn't catch a single one of them. I'm usually good at catching them. They can be hard to catch, especially when there's a bunch of people reaching for them, but they always take a weird turn. The further they go, it's like the wind grabs it and pulls it a different direction. Oh, you bet. You think it's coming at you, and then it just like... Phoom. Well, that's the nice thing about being six feet tall. Sometimes I can just do a little hop, catch up. You keep your guitar picks in like a scrapbook, like a binder type of thing? Yep. I got those little coin collecting cardboard things that oh, you just fold. That's and what they are. Coin. I was going to ask what they were. I was like, those look like empty condom packages. What are they? <laughs> and, uh, oh, oh, so you, you save those after you use them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that yeah, was a really good collection. <laughs> I thought that was a really cool idea because I was like, man, like I have a, 
I usually like had framed them or I keep them in a shoebox or something in a bag. But I was like, these you can actually like flip through, look at it, you know, get a memory or whatever. And then it's, I've seen people do it with ticket stubs, but you were the first that I seen do it with guitar picks. Well, that's that's not my idea either. That's a that's an old trick that guitar pick collectors do. There was a guy that I knew that turned me on to it, and he was following all these uh, Facebook groups for guitar pick collecting, and he had a fucking million of them. So I asked him, I was like, hey, so what do you use for them? And he just said, look, those uh, those coin collector cardboard folding things, I think these are half dollars or silver dollars, one of those two. And you have to order it off of Amazon because nobody's really going to have them. Staples won't, Office Depot won't. It's one of those situations where online wins. Yeah, that's like a niche thing. Yeah, coin collecting. Even ticket stubs. That that kind of drives me crazy about a lot of shows now. Is you know, physical tickets are going away. Yeah, that's I've weird. seen where you got to pay extra for them sometimes. Which it's worth it to me if they charge an extra three dollars so I can have a physical ticket. I'll do it oh, because yeah. I like to I don't see know. it. I come from like that would piss me off. That th- even though it's three bucks, it's just like the principle. You really gonna charge me to give me a ticket that I just paid X amount of dollars for? Fuck you. But that's just me. Sometimes I go right up to the window at the Ticketmaster place and they'll print it out for me most of the time. Oh, okay. That's cool. I won tickets to go see obituary once and they I went up to the desk and they gave me the actual stubs, which I was happy about. Oh hell yeah. I uh entered their Facebook competition about 10 billion times. I was like, I got to win for Michigan. No way somebody else beat this. They had like one of those things where you could get X amount of entries if you like share it on Twitter, share it on here, share it on here. And I had like multiple social media accounts, so I did it on all of them. They really are one of the best live bands ever. Yeah, they have like one of the best live sounds. I've only seen them twice, but best live sound carrying over like from a studio album i almost prefer him live and he's got so much fucking power in his vocals i mean it's not just the delay or the reverb or whatever effect they add on to his voice you can tell that he's just giving it his all and they like get better with time too they don't really i've yet to hear an obituary album where he like you're like oh man it really sounds like his voice is going he's not like doing the chris barnes type of thing where he sounds (laughs) shitty now yeah, Obituary and Carcass were my first death metal shows. Those are good yeah, first death metal fuck yeah, shows. Are. Mine was... Oh, hell yeah. I'll never forget it. Songs I love. Children of Bodom and Behemoth. Ooh. Rest in peace, Alexi. Yeah, mine would have been Demu and Children of Bodom. That would have been sweet. I've never seen Demu. I didn't remember that what year it was, but that was at Harpo's in Detroit. The one thing that... Oh, Nevermore played, too. And... Mm. Um, I had to stand in, in piss for, I don't know, like an hour and a half. Yeah, and you don't want to go to the bathroom at no, Harpo's? No, no. It's disgusting. And then my buddy's car got busted into, which is you know, pretty typical. Busted makes me feel good. But the show was rad. <laughs> Some Ghostbusters for you. So your video that you did on uh, your favorite live albums, did you happen to listen to the new obituary live albums? And if you did, would you add them to that video now if you had to remake that list? Oh, the ones from Maryland Death Fest? No, the Live and Rotting and Slowly We Rot Live. I don't remember what they called that one. Or no, it was... I thought those were Maryland Death Fest recorded albums. No, they were like studio trickery. Yeah, dude, they sound fucking good. And but the one with the DVD, I pop in the DVD and 
you know, to see a live show, but they're just kind of like in a closed studio playing live and then they're just recording it live. Oh, so, so let me guess, it's like one of those uh, COVID live stream type things. Yeah, but sort of, but was it during? Yeah, it would have still been, but I don't think it was at the height of the pandemic. But yeah, they advertise it as live. Yes, it's played. It's like just because they're in the take. same room. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's a it's a studio album because it sounds so good. Like I was like, man, there's no way this is live. But then again, I was like, well, they are one of the best live death metal bands. Right. So hey, it's obituary. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, they were both great, but they did slowly rerot and cause of death in its entirety, and they changed the names to live and rotting and. Uh, I have the cause of death. Live one. infection, I think, was yeah. the other one. Yeah, I mean, the great thing about 10,000 Ways to Die is that, yeah, I've, I've listened to it so many times that I can scream along the banter and introductions with them. Yeah. It's great to be here. And <laughs> Those cartoon videos that they do, they should have a little Killbot cartoon in there, headbanging oh, in the crowd. Cool. That, you would have fit in perfectly in there. I actually thought up a little animated skit for Obituary. It would be like one of those... Like, not fully animated, but, like, stick figure drawings, I guess, with the heads of the members superimposed. Yeah. And, and the idea is there's a metal kidnapper who goes and kidnaps all these metal bands before a show's supposed to happen. And there's a there's a superhero who's supposed to save them. Okay? Yeah. And so you have the guys getting in these, like, Scooby-Doo-type dialogue situations. <laughs> and then the show happens. <laughs> I, Honestly, I've had this idea burn up for years. I just haven't figured out how. You're saying like Scooby Doo, and they like say kidnap carcass, and Scooby Doo fucking metalheads got to find out where they are to play the show. That's fucking, pretty much, and they got to save them. That's fucking genius, dude. That's fucking genius. If you could find a good animator, you'd definitely be able to pull that off. We were just well, talking about things where I just do what Grade A under A did. And where he just did like little keynote keyframe type things, and it just it's like a stiff image yeah. every few seconds that changes every few seconds. <laughs> it's kind of like stop motion a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Speaking of stop motion, your marshmallows video. I knew that's where you were gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good transition, wasn't it? So uh, the marshmallows video, I was I watched it again last night just to you know have a laugh. And I was looking at the parts where the, the pit comes in and out and in and out. Those, yeah. That was all stop motion, I assume, yeah? Yep. At first, it was gonna, they were all going to be stringed up, and I was just going to twirl them around with the art stick. And the strings just kept getting tangled. So I was like, you know, why don't I just stop motion these? How long did it, it take took, you just to do that little bit? Let's see. It was 146 frames. I think it took me about an hour. For, like, for like a few seconds worth of work. Yep, six seconds. Yeah. My son used to make uh, Lego stop motion videos, and I watched him like spend four or five hours on them, and then he'd get like a three minute video or something. Oh, they're fun to make. Oh, yeah. Definitely. They're they're fun to watch. They're fun to make. It was really cool to see him like learn and go through that. But I thought the video was great. I mean, because it's random for one, but it was just done really well. Like, what made you want to just paint up some marshmallows and start making a mosh? You know, the story behind that is I love my hot chocolate and I was drinking hot chocolate, talking with my grandmother and we were talking about putting marshmallows in the hot chocolate and she's from New York. So she said it like marshmallows one morning and I was like, <laughs> marshmallows. And then all of a sudden a fucking light bulb clicked off in my head. I was like, marshmallows. I wrote it down immediately. Yeah. And pretty much the video as envisioned 
came out how I wanted it. That's marshmallows. How many marshmallows did you use in the video? God, I think I bought like three bags of them. I had the little mini marshmallows for the ones that bring their kids. Yeah. <laughs> and there were the regular size ones, but the bigger size ones, they, they seem to work better with the set, which I, I just went and got some poster board from Walmart and Office Depot. Yeah, it was a really cool setup. Like I was looking at the background and you had like Chicken little wire. dining chairs and stuff on the side there. And like, yeah, it looked that like... That is a real picture. And that was the merch booth from Drab Majesty. Oh, wow. That's cool. If you See, believe that. The facts that you find out and asking questions about things. Um, and it broke my heart to tear that set down. Yeah, I, you I said had so you, much fun making that. You said you kept the one, which he wasn't... Uh, what made you keep that one? Because he wasn't like had any... He didn't have a front and center frame in the movie at all, or in the video at all. He just was... He was in the background of the mosh pit. <laughs> I seen him. He, he was He was there. He just wasn't front and center. But... Yeah. Yeah, I guess he was just my favorite design one. <laughs> it was so cool with the blood running down his eyes. Yeah, he looks like kind of like he was in corpse paint, but had some blood too. Yep, yep, that was the idea. Corpse paint. I did have one person say, "Oh, well, you use water for the cocoa. You should use milk for it." It's like, yeah, it's it's richer that way. It's just, you know, for the video, that's what was on hand. I used to have a hot chocolate machine that would like whip it up and like make it all frothy and delicious. I don't know what the hell happened to it. <clears throat> There was a friend that I was staying with around Halloween who she makes hot chocolate from scratch and she knows that I like hot chocolate. So she made it one morning, just boiled water and poured the chocolate in there and maybe some hot chocolate. And I was like, mm. but she got me on video with my facial expression, just lighting up. <laughs> I'll have to see if she still has it. <laughs> I've never had homemade hot chocolate to be interesting. Either. Swiss miss, man. That's about as homemade as I can get. <laughs> One thing I did want to ask, I never caught this in a video or anywhere or anything, but how'd you come up with the name Killbot? I know Gorgor is a Gwar song. Yeah, Killbot a is a ghoul cool character. character. Okay. Uh, they have a song on the Splatter Thrash album called Rise, Killbot, Rise. So I was looking in the wrong band. Yeah. I was thinking it was yeah, Gwar. Two of my favorite bands. I don't know. I just brainstormed the name for about 10 minutes, and I thought Killbot and Gorgor Attack sounded like it had a good ring to it, you know? Sometimes I tell people the name of my channel, and they look at me like, you know, what I'm Frankenstein monster yeah. or something yeah. like, oh, how do I remember that? But kind of, it sounds like an evil metal Godzilla is what I thought the first time I ever heard it. Or Godzilla enemy. Yeah. Yep. And the first ever intro for the channel was those two characters. They're, they're printing out sheets of paper and I just crumpled them up, which. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That wasn't a very good intro, but <laughs> I mean, look at the intro I've got now where I'm punching the screen and then walking away. Yeah. I mean, a big difference. Hey, you got to start somewhere, though. You can tell those old videos weren't as uh, competent because I wasn't color correcting yet. It's just can... one of those things the more you do it, the better you get at it. Yep. And so. I have a lot of outtakes from those first couple of years, and these days I just don't make a lot of mistakes because I know what I'm doing. Right, second nature. Yeah, that happened with us in the beginning of the podcast. It would take me forever to edit episodes, and now I really don't have to do a whole lot. They kind of oh, just flow nicely, and then I get rid of a couple of ums and ums and whatever. You learn how to streamline about yeah. What got you into Guar originally? Like, what was your first exposure? I should say because I remember mine. And it was fucking an animal. And uh, <laughs> I was like, I seen the video on like Headbangers Ball or something. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And then 
I, you know, I went and got Scum Dogs, I think, was the first Guar album that I bought. And I was just like, wow, this is fucking completely out of the ordinary of anything that you'd heard. And the costumes, the lore, the, the just everything about them was interesting. And that was such a weird album from them anyway. And a lot of fans don't like it. I'm fine with it. It's dated. It's got its issues. But I, it's still enjoyable. As far as your question goes, I've been I've been listening to Ghoul for years before I got into Guar because a friend of mine, the guy who got me into metal, actually, he played with Ghoul for two shows. And then he was replaced by Dino from Dystopia, and he was in the band for a few years. But I was into those Tank Crimes fans and got into Ghoul, still obsessed with them. That was like and when you were like 14 or something, you said in one of your videos, I think. That's right. I was 14 years old when I got into underground metal. But um, yeah, the reviews of Ghoul kept saying, oh, well, they're like Guar in this way and that way. And finally, in about 2010, 2011, I had a pretty good Christmas as far as gift cards are concerned. So right on. I went on Amazon and I bought every single Guar album, MP3s. And that was it. You know, I just, I listened to all those albums, loved the fuck out of them. And they're still probably my favorite band of all time. It's between them and Nine Inch Nails and Ministry. Depends on the day. <laughs> yeah, we go through that too. Depends on the day. Yeah, pretty much. Like everybody says, oh, well, my favorite band ever is that, well, what's your favorite band right now? You know, yeah, because taste changes. Definitely. Dystopia was my favorite band for a lot of years. And I, I still listen to Dystopia every once in a while. But every song now, I feel like, wow. What's a song that I haven't listened to a million times? Now I've listened to that one a million times too. <laughs> so. Yeah, I have bands like that too. As far as the um the dark wave stuff you're into, what are some of the bands that you're into there? Like I just briefly kind of like touch into that shit. Like KVB is a newer one. <laughs> Soft Moon maybe I like shit like that. Oh man, I can recommend you some good stuff. I've always been in the area of goth music. Yeah, yeah. I guess dark I guess darkly inclined is what they call it. Um, I've been listening to Dead Can Dance and Susie and the Banshees and the Cure since 2015, 2016. And what ended up happening was I dumped my ex-girlfriend last year. And when I got home, a friend of mine who was going to goth night, she was like, look, you need stuff to do. Why don't you come to goth night with me? And I had the time of my life. Fucking A. I played a lot, played a lot of great music. And by the way, you know, that that's a friend that you want in your corner. You know, they're they're there when you need them. But I enjoyed the music and I never really stopped going. So and the cool thing is, you know, with Goth Night, I can just pull out my phone, Shazam what they're playing, and I go home and listen to it. And I was introduced to YouTubers who were into it, you know, like Cadaver Kelly and Angela Benedict and it's Black Friday, you know, YouTubers like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, great channels, cool. historical, and they and they remind me of what, why I do what I do with metal, and it kind of complements my love for metal in a way because at 27 years old, I'm still getting inspired by great music. You yeah. know, a lot of people they stick with the stuff they heard when they were teenagers, and that's fine. But no, that's kind of why we started this yeah. podcast is to like get new music out there. Like I'm 38, man, and I uh, I always find new shit that you know, or try to find new shit that gives me a boner, you know what I mean? Like, I can't, I hate fucking listening to the same shit I heard in, like, high school, you know? Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's, like, albums that you love, but you can only hear a Slayer song so many times, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's. I guess that's the difference between casual music fans who are okay with just having the radio and us who yep. collect thousands of records and thousands of CDs. <laughs> you know, this, I live and breathe this stuff. Yep. Yeah. 
I do too. And I'm always trying to find new stuff between the record store just so I know like what to bring in that's new and just in general to satisfy my own tastes. And I like listen in waves too where I might be listening to death metal all the time, one time, hip hop a lot, you know, goth rock, uh, 80s new wave shit. Like it goes all over the place, jazz. I'm pretty versatile. So, like, you know, seeing my videos, I cover different bands and different types of music sometimes. But that was a weird criticism that I was getting when I began the channel because I hate rap with a passion. Mm. I hate country music. I hate rap. I hate a lot of pop, especially modern pop. But, like, you know, there's some stuff that I enjoy, you know, like 70s funk and, I don't know, blues. You know, my guitar teacher was a blues guy. And I, I took a course on jazz when I was in college. But, you know, a lot of people said, oh, well, Killbot's a fucking metal elitist, blah, blah, blah. It's like, um, you did see that I held up a Tori Amos record in my Bathory video, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Under the And I'm covering fucking Nine Inch Nails and Skinny Puppy and Frontline Assembly and all those other bands. So what the fuck is this metal elitist stuff? <laughs> Only yeah. now am I getting recognized for the versatility. It, it took some years. Well, but... let me ask you a hard question. What's your beef with country and hip hop? Like, what, what are your reasonings for not liking them aside from you just don't like the music soulless ass shit because i like because i love the fucking storytelling in those genres like i mean that's what i like about it or like uh, in hip-hop the art of fucking taking words and telling a story consistently i think is cool country there's pop country and there's fucking outlaw country punk rock country kind of lean more that way hank three type shit you know um, a Joe lot Buck. of it I just don't relate to. It, gotcha. You know? I'm just curious. A lot of it I don't relate to. And, and the thing is, like, a lot of hip-hop, especially 80s and 90s hip-hop, it just doesn't age well. You know, because they talk a lot about self-referential stuff and specific feuds and situations. And it's, you know, you, you need a little history lesson before you can listen to it. Yeah, there That's is a, definitely a lot to unfold inside of it, for sure. And for me, it's the replay value as well. Like, with metal... There are a lot of bands like Entombed, you know, Left Hand Path. I hear something new every time I listen to it. But with a lot of hip hop and country music, like that's what I love about metal is the sound design and the songwriting skills. You can hear new things every time you listen to it. But, you know, there's some stuff like modern pop where you listen to it and it, it exhausts what it has to offer. Just very simple and straightforward. Yeah, and modern pop, like, I mean, I kind of fell off the radio a few years ago. So I honestly don't even know, like, what's cool. Yeah, they I, I can't all be filtered. Like, I mean, on, like, Bay 108 and shit, like, I don't yeah, even know. Yeah. I try to stay up for the the purpose of yeah, the store, you have to. but outside of that, like, I don't listen to it actively, no. What are, uh, so, Tori Amos is one, and I know you mentioned Charles Mingus before. What are some Ooh. other things that you listen to that would take people by surprise? And do you listen to jazz other than Charles Mingus? Oh, yeah, plenty. There's, um, you know, Bitches Brew. It's a timeless album. Yeah. But, that um, took me a long time to appreciate that album because there's so much craziness going on. Like, I always knew it was good, but you got to, like, be in the right setting and sit down and really digest it to unfold it all because it's just so much. Well, you know, it's that jazz course I took in college that I mentioned earlier. Yep. That helped me learn how to write scripts for the videos because what she would do the teacher, she would have us write these 100-word and 300-word essays on pieces of music, and we would have to apply words and vocabulary that we learned in the class and apply it to the piece of music. So let's see, I've written about 
carcass songs i've written about and tomb songs and that that was the beginning stages of how a killbot strip turns out those were papers that you did like as like for a grade and shit that's how that started yep that's cool. That's right. Grades for doing metal work. Fucking awesome. You do, yeah, how to learn to be descriptive. I learned from the jazz course that music history is just like regular history. You know, everything is a series of cause and effect. Yes. And that's the way that metal is, okay? How did death metal begin? It began because they wanted to be more extreme than thrash metal, okay? They got tired of thrash metal. They started death metal. Well, Death metal eventually ran its course in the 90s, and new metal came out because people were getting bored with death metal. And, you know, things happen, and a period. lot of genres are responses to other genres. Yeah, kind of like how black metal was the response to death metal. Like, they wanted to be the opposite of what they were doing. Pretty much. It's just a series of cause and effect. I never took a music history class. Like, I know when I was in college, they had some, but it didn't apply to what I was doing. But I always thought it would be really interesting to even go back to, like, Celtic times and stuff just to see their musical history. It helps you appreciate modern songwriting, and it helps you appreciate your own favorite music. Yeah. Well, it's like because you can saying... apply what you learned to the songwriting techniques, and you're like, wow, they actually did this really well. I mean, good example, Mr. Brownstone, Guns N' Roses. You know, you got the intro, Bo Diddley beat, and within the first minute, you've got, like, what? two, three different sections to the song. Yeah. Plus, a lot of people don't know that it's about heroin. I don't know how you can. I don't know how you can either, but I've met people where I'm like, you know it's about heroin, right? They're like, I just thought it was about dancing with a dude named (laughs) Mr. Brown. (laughs) It's not exactly a common analogy these days, I suppose. I don't know. That's fucking funny. Mr. Brownstone. Who the fuck? Where is he at, anyway? <laughs> What's Mr. That Brownstone? That old man doing? is a real motherfucker going to <laughs> Oh, damn. That's pretty good, dude. You need to start a tribute band. I could be better than the real Guns N' Roses. Yeah, at this they, point. one of the worst live bands out there currently. So I've heard. Meanwhile, The Cure, who just announced a tour, look at his YouTube footage. He still sounds great. Yep. I seen that I, originally when I looked at it, there was no Michigan date, but then they added one right after that. So that was cool. Where are they playing? Pine Knob. They have a lot of off dates. I suppose that they're just going to add more as they go along. Yeah. And I know like they try to kind of schedule tours in sequence and maybe just some venues didn't have the dates open or whatever. And maybe wanted to play a couple certain places and it just wasn't in the cards. Yeah, they're not playing Raleigh, but I did just have a family member say, hey, you know, they're playing New Orleans, come to New Orleans. So, hey, that might be in the cards for me. Yeah, that yeah, would be sweet. I have to put that in my cards as well. And supposedly The Cure plays for two and a half to three hours. Yeah, I heard they play That's long sets. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, a lot of these bands, they, they don't play for long enough. ZZ Top saw them a few years ago. They must have played 80 minutes, maybe. It was really short. 80 minutes, man? They're fucking old. I mean, they need to get their oxygen <laughs> tanks or something. I don't know. But, yeah, it's cool when they go fucking three hours. I've seen a yeah, band called ZZ like Bottom. I think DRI played two hours when I first saw them. Good God. That would be and they hard. And the songs fast, with the big, dude. long cymbal crashes. So yeah. they made you think that was going to be the last song, and it wasn't. They kept going. Oh, so it I just made that. you more fucking tired the more they did it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really long time for them to drag out Fuck a show because yeah. they play fast as hell on Fuck a yeah, lot of stuff. It's like thrashy as shit. So what are some bands that you've recently discovered that either took you by surprise or that you've just kind of full-fledged dived into? 
Uh, well, I tend to listen to music in phases, so I get obsessed with one band for a couple weeks and then get obsessed with other bands for a couple weeks. But mm-hmm. uh, going back to your question earlier about what dark wave and goth and industrial bands I've been into, because that's stuff I've been deep diving lately. Uh, you know, Corpus Delecti, they're a good one. Fucking um, Fetus. Ooh, good Australian stuff. Uh, Deep Crops, that's another one. I never um, heard good of German fetus. industrial. No, I never heard of Fetus. Dying Fetus, obviously, but... I never heard of Fetus. Clan of Zymox was a band that I wasn't really familiar with either. Like, uh, once I looked at them, I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen these before. And they were on the same record label as Bauhaus was and, like, the Pixies and stuff. So I was familiar with them, like, by name, but by music, not really. But I checked them out last night. I listened to their first two records. First two are probably the best. It's usually but, how but the same goes. as same as Zymox, it's like, they changed styles and a couple members left later in their career and so they change it to just Zymox yeah and then they change it back to Clan of Zymox so it's it's kind of like Jefferson Airplane how they kept changing the names yeah yeah and they went to Starship Starship and Airplane back and forth what was it oh oh yeah Fetus I was just talking about Fetus they're another band that kept changing the name band it's a solo project by one guy but uh, let's see Uh, they got different names for the project you've got Fetus on your breath uh, the Fetus Symphony Orchestra Fetus Corruptus and <laughs> just Fetus. It's, it's, it's just like it's just like Aqua Teen Hunger Force. How they kept changing the name of the show just to fuck with people. Yeah. It was the same show. But they just kept changing the name. Of it. I would imagine having Fetus as a band name. You're kind of like one. You're gonna have a hard time booking venues because most venues don't want to advertise just Fetus on their fucking their billboard or whatever. I mean, depending on the venue, obviously. But, yeah, I don't know how Australia is on that. Yeah, I don't know what they're censorship laws if there is any or like I mean, they were big influence on uh, nine channels in fact thurwell did do a few remixes on the fixed record so there were cover songs or they were remixes on uh, they were remixes okay i was uh when you said nine inch nails i was like thinking that uh trent put some fetus covers on a nine inch nails record no he was influenced by fetus and that, that was the cool thing about Nine Inch Nails. They put out all these remix EPs and remix albums, and they take an avant-garde approach to the remix thing because he just gives the artists the stems, and they pretty much take the song in an opposite direction from what it was on the Alps. Yeah, he makes a lot of great music. Yeah, have you ever... Well, I don't know if this is a dumb question for you or not, but have you ever listened to the Quake soundtrack? I have Quake, and the soundtrack is awesome. You yeah, put it in yeah. the disc player, and the music starts playing. That popped in my head. I have a wax copy of that, and it's, it's fucking cool. Just because it's so different, you know what I mean? One of the best reasons to play the game. Awesome game, shittiest final boss ever. <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> so anticlimactic. It's just like the icon of Sin Doom 2. It's like, what? This is it? Yeah, but the whole way, yeah, the whole way there is so awesome. My son and Absolutely. I used to, like, fucking tag team that shit and just play it, like, infinite health, infinite weapons, and just, you know, because he was, like, I don't know, four or five at the time. I mean, like, you got to give him a break, you know? Yeah, then you type in the little cheat codes, and yeah. KFA gives you all your weapons and all the key cards. Yeah, fucking key cards, man. Anyway. That's the only way you're going to get through Final Doom. That game was so fucking poorly designed. All the games were hard as fuck. That's another kick-ass soundtrack, too. Yeah. Wait wait till you play Blood. This one's hard. Yeah, dude, I got that. It's like on the top of our lists of shit to fucking figure out. Gory-ass fucking old video game on a music <laughs> fucking podcast. Oh, if you throw enough dynamite, your character starts laughing maniacally. <laughs> and, if you, and if you let him sit still for long enough, it's like he starts singing show tunes. 
Really? <laughs> Weird. So you just start throwing all these fucking cocktails and like he'll start laughing and shit. Like they put that in the game. <laughs> That's what he sounds like. Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> There, there was a game that came out kind of recently called uh, High on Life, and it was made by the people who created Rick and Morty, and all the guns had individual personalities. Oh, that's tight. And if you sat around, they would sit and, like, talk shit to you or tell you to get your fucking ass moving, yeah, or yeah. they'd just go off on, like, a random banter. But the game was so random, because you could, like, go to a street vendor and buy a gallon of alien cum like, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> for no reason. Um, what kind of game is this? <laughs> have you ever watched Rick and Morty? Uh, first couple seasons, I just kind of dropped off. So just imagine that, but in a video game is essentially what it is. It's just all ridiculous space shit. Yeah, like, yeah. But it's really funny. But anyway, so another thing I wanted to get into, fucking horror movies. That's one thing that I know that you're into. Uh, and I've heard you mention in uh, videos on YouTube and stuff. But what are some of your favorite horror movies? And before you answer that question, did you watch Cocaine Bear yet? I want to see it. <laughs> it. It looks amazing. Yeah, I haven't seen it because there's no. Our theater got like destroyed a few or sold and destroyed a few years ago, and they're rebuilding Man. one now, and it's not open back up yet. So there's no theater within like an hour to be able to watch it. So I'm waiting Taylor, for it to hit Taylor's streaming like, services. Yeah, I guess that's an hour, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there's there's a theater in my town, but man, the last movie I saw in the theater was Clerks Three, which sucked. But last couple times I've gone to the theater, people are so damn rude and inconsiderate, and you know it's the people that ruin the movie theater experience for me now. Like yeah, I, I've had so... bad experiences where the sound was off, the video was off, but people getting up and down constantly, playing on their phones, giggling, acting like idiots, and some cunt's kid was running around, <laughs> laughing and giggling. The whole time I'm trying to watch fucking Spider-Man. And in the last third of the movie, I went <sighs> real loudly. Yeah. And it shut the kid up. But, man, I felt the mom stare the whole rest of the movie. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, I dude. I was pissed. I mean, you pay that much goddamn money for movie theater tickets, and this cunt won't fucking stop reading Satan's Spawn. Yeah. <laughs> you'd think you, like, you'd stop your kid from being a little asshole yeah. in, the, in the theater, but. I don't know. Fucking kids. I've been an asshole in a theater. I'll admit it. But anyways, uh, horror movies. What yeah, are some? Of, what are some of your favorite horror movies? Uh, let's see. The original Dawn of the Dead, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, let's see. Evil wait, wait, wait. Two. Which version though? Romero's or fucking Argento's? Uh, Romero's, I'd say. I would argue that. I, but, I would like... but also, but also, I'd say maybe the director's cut, the one that's like 134 minutes. Yeah, with the Goblin soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. That the gorilla sampled later. And then when I finally saw the movie, I was like, oh, that's where that came from. Yeah, yeah. I love when that clicks, when you hear something in a song and then you yeah. see whatever it was from and you're like, oh, put shit, it all together. Yeah. yeah, Dystopia was like that for me. I went and started watching a bunch of movies and then I was like, wait, man, I heard that in a Dystopia song. Yeah, I've heard a lot of their movie samples. Kill Whitney Dead was another band that used heavy movie samples. Let's see, Thrill Kill Cult, Skinny Puppy, Frontline Assembly. Those guys use a lot of movie samples. Yeah. Or at least used to. They they stopped doing it because of copyright stuff. It, I guess it was easier back in the 80s and the 90s before the internet. Yeah, yeah. there's a couple uh, albums that kind of put an end to that. Absolutely. Well, see, I'm also a big David Lynch fan myself, so sometimes it's uh, gore horror movies or slasher horror movies like Jason and Freddy and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but other times it's um, psychological stuff like, like Lost yeah, Highway. Yeah, Blue yeah. Velvet, shit like that. I love Dallas Hopper. Yeah, oh, yeah, rest in peace. Oh, big time. He, uh, Speed. 
definitely had a huge influence on the Rob Zombie movies with all those weird little yeah, segments. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, where he's going ape shit. Two chainsaws at a time. Yeah, yeah, dude. He's fucking hilarious in that movie. Another kick ass soundtrack, by the way. Oh, you bet. I got to meet Bill Mosley a few years ago at a convention, and I, he, I have like a signed Texas Chainsaw 2 thing that I had him write a bunch of stuff on, and then I got pictures with him, and I, I even got to look through his vacation photos on his phone. That's fucking weird. <laughs> Texas like, Chainsaw Master 3 had Armin Stain on the soundtrack. Yep. That makes me think of a spontaneous question here that I actually wanted to do an episode on at some point. So the big four of thrash metal are the obvious Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax. You know, if you had to add two more bands to make it a big six, who would they be? Probably Axis. And as long as we're keeping it in America, it may as well be Testament. I'm glad you said testament like exodus i would agree with but testament i feel like are such a heavily underrated thrash metal band that consistently went like side by side metallica but never got anywhere near the recognition that they deserved and they had some amazing lineups too fucking chuck belly and they had like gene hoagland on a couple albums it's Um, so fucked up how that works sometimes man and they stayed and even like like, listen to Metallica's new stuff and compare it to Testament's most recent album. It blows well, it out of the water. Yeah, fuck yeah. Well, the thing is, a lot of those bands struggle in the 90s when the times and the music scene changed. Testament changed and they were still good. Yeah. Listen to Low. Listen to The Gathering. Listen to Demonic. Those are great albums. Yeah, The Gathering is phenomenal. Even Low oh, yeah. is, too. Low had, uh... And then you had Anthrax doing... I don't know what the hell they were doing with Stop 442 and volume eight <laughs> i was never a big anthrax fan myself to be honest with you i don't know what it was what about overkill are you into overkill at all great fucking band some people can't stand bobby blitz's voice but he's just so i think that's what makes him great is it sets him apart so far yeah, from dude, the I other like bands. Overkill too. it's fucking red maybe because he sounds like this <laughs> <laughs> They had uh, an album come out recently with like all cover songs. I can't remember the fucking name of it though. It wasn't, so many albums. It wasn't an Overkill album. It was Overkill under a different name doing cover songs. Um, but they're coming out with a new record here pretty soon. I think next month, at the end of next month, I want to say. I believe it's called Scorched. How many is that? Uh, 18, 18 or something like that. Yeah, they got a lot of albums. I know they albums. have a lot of albums. Yeah, there was, a, there was a song that they did, an instrumental that they did back in the 90s. It has this fucking awesome bass solo. It's called Feeding Frenzy. Mm-hmm. And a fucking bass solo in that. I was showing that to a friend of mine who started to play bass when we were in school and he was like man i'm gonna get carpal tunnel if i start playing that shit <laughs> oh because it's just that fast and crazy oh absolutely such a well-written song yeah they really to me like i love like their whole catalog like even their later stuff they stayed heavy as hell they kept putting out good music they weren't trying to please a radio station or anything like that like they just kept true to what they wanted to do i hear black notes from the underground great stuff yeah they Boybot, just... i think it's pretty underrated as well yeah i would agree there's so many good overlooked bands and like uh being in the record store like me and my partner at the store here we'll sit and just talk about random stuff that 
should be bigger or like records that have been sitting for a while that haven't sold and i'm like why the fuck has nobody bought this yeah. but i get a million people a day asking me for metallica stuff and like <laughs> if you like kill them all they can be like, setting their sights to so many better things yeah and they're stuck with fucking teeny bopper metallica yeah come on now you got that black album bro yeah <laughs> i've had yeah, more like overkill i hear black <laughs> yeah yeah right testament or, is hard to, from the underground. to move i have a hard time getting rid of testament records and it's i don't know why because i mean listen to practice what you preach or souls of black like it has like that same thrashy style as what early metallica stuff did and it's, it's right up the same alley it's original it sounds good it was written well the musicianship's fucking awesome <laughs> And, like, compare them side by side, like, they stand toe-to-toe. I don't understand why it's not more blown up. Maybe because Lars's dad was fucking loaded and helped him get a leg up back in the day, which wouldn't surprise me. That helps. But owning a record store, uh, you two have seen High Fidelity, haven't you? Yeah, of course. Okay, okay, so how accurate would you say a day in the record store is, like, when you see that movie? Uh, That's a good (laughs) question. They're just sitting around talking about number one singles in some random year. Yeah, that's a that's definitely. very, very accurate, actually. Like, we do that, like, literally daily. In winter here, it, like, slows down. So, like, we have a lot of regulars and stuff, obviously. But as far as, like, the foot traffic goes, it's not quite as much because people don't want to walk around downtown when it's fucking negative 10 outside. And not only just the banter, but, like, that scene where that one guy comes in and he's like, do you still have that album? And he's like, um, let me go check. And he walks behind the counter, hands it to him. And the guy, like, obsessively is like, my precious. Like, he's, like, holding it like he's Gollum. Then he's like, how much do you want for it? And he's like, eh, I don't want to sell it. And takes it back. And then (laughs) sells it to the other dude for 40 bucks. And he's like, now, why would you sell this to me and not him? He's like, because you're not a douchebag or whatever he says. (laughs) Oh. Uh, yeah, it's, it's happened. I've benefited from that, actually. Yep. I've sold shit to Jeremy that I didn't want other people having. Like, we had an original Bathory uh, tape of The Return in here. Yep. And it was like 200 bucks yeah. or what? 100 bucks? Yeah, it was 100. 100. This guy that was like, he was like, oh, I really want that. But he was like, not into it at all like i don't know why he actually really wanted it i just sold it to jeremy for like 50 bucks instead no dude it was like 20 bucks oh, 20. <laughs> it was like super cheap dude <laughs> well i'll tell you a story that death peggy album that i told you about that was a record store day release and i went to some record store in athens to go get it and i can't remember the name of the store but the guy was a big melvin's fan just talked about the melvin's Pretty much the whole time I was there. Wore his hair the same and everything. Uh, well, he had gray hair. <laughs> yeah. he, he sees them every time they come through. Yeah. But it was on record store day, which I went to the store and I asked him if he had copies of the Death Piggy album. And he was like, oh, no, we sold out already. He, he sounded like Rick from Rick and Morty. <laughs> but after a few more minutes of just looking through the albums and chatting with him for a few minutes, he was like, you know what? Let me go to the back and look and see what's uh, see what's here. 
and he came back a minute later with a copy of the death video. <laughs> what a yeah. fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he came back out with it, and he said it was the last copy that he had. I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. He was like, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that you were buying it for the right reasons. <laughs> is that what yeah, you said, Yeah, because a lot of people, you know, they flip the albums. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Record Store Day is hot for that. Like, the way I do it, I don't allow people to buy doubles of stuff, and I make it truly first come first serve it's like secretary of state almost like you get a number yep, and you, you get, get to come, you get to come up pick out your shit you don't get to buy devils and then next person because the first time i ever did it I, the only way to keep it was it a madhouse like i did it on a shelf in the middle of the store and there were people grabbing from both sides of the shelf as fast as they could people were grabbing shit that they couldn't even see just to grab something and the whole shelf was cleared off in like two minutes and I was like, oh, Please, fucking shit. people. I got to change that. <laughs> so I switched it to make it more fair. Take a number. Well, the, yeah, the funny thing is, he told me it was the last copy that he had, but my ex, who was standing at a different angle, she saw the box that he pulled it out of. He had a bunch of those fuckers oh, in there. Oh, I'm sure. He... And she told me, she was like, yeah, so he said that it was the last one, but he had a bunch more. I was like, oh, so he was trying to make it feel more special. Okay, cool. That's a, I, I appreciate the effort. <laughs> <laughs> right. He was probably holding them back to sell them. Because uh, there's a lot of store owners that'll put that, like, hold it back, put the shit online instead of putting it out. I heard of stores selling raffle tickets to buy certain albums last record store day, which I thought was really fucked up. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Oh, yeah. There was this Taylor Swift 7-inch that was 15 bucks, and... People were selling it on eBay for 500 like within a couple hours of record stores opening. And Such bullshit. There were stores that were like, well, you can buy a raffle ticket to have a chance to be able to buy the record. And I was like, man, that should violate the terms yeah, of Record should. Store Day or something, because that's fucked up. It's shit like this that ruined Record Store Day for me, you know? Like, it started off with good intentions, and then, you know, people behaved like people do, and... Yep. That ruined it. Greed is a powerful motivator for the wrong Absolutely. reasons. It's weird how prices naturally fluctuate like that, though. Like, uh, there was this Queens of the Stone Age album that I bought. It was the self-titled one. When they reissued it mm -hmm. back in 2015, I guess, I was able to buy it brand new for $20. And when I was selling all my records, somebody bought it from me for 60 Oh, yeah. I'm just looking at the um, most expensive items sold on Discogs in February. Number two is a Misfits seven inch bullet, you know, with uh Kennedy on it. Six grand somebody paid for that. You know, I've heard of people paying that much Six for cool, but grand. Bullet, come on, man. Yeah, for a seven inch. I mean you can buy the fucking box set for less than a hundred dollars. Yep. Yeah, yeah with a pin and everything. You get a fiend club pin that it cements your admission to the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some some stuff's crazy. Taylor Swift. She's on here, of course, with like some her red album, some variant. Twenty two hundred dollars somebody paid for that. What's the uh what's the most? I mean, someone ever who's got for... I don't care money, I guess if that's what'll make them happy, go for it. <laughs> be a big I don't get it, but... fan. What's the most you've paid for a CD or a record? I paid three hundred and fifty dollars for Skinny Puppy's Last Rights, double LP that came out in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. That thing sounded fucking awesome. That was what it cost originally, or you had to buy it secondhand? I didn't buy it when it came out. I bought it as a graduation present to myself back okay. in 2016. I don't remember if I seen that in a video, but I remember seeing that you have uh, the Misfits, um, is it 12 Hits from Hell, framed in the back? I had that, sold it. Did you? Yep. 
pay $200 for it. Did you sell it with the frame? Yes, I did. I ended up getting exactly out of it what I put into it, but... At least you don't take a hit, because it yeah. always sucks when you got to get rid of something, and you're like, oh, I got to sell it for way less than what I paid for it. I've taken hits before, but I kind of lucked out with the Misfits one. I, I think the frame was a big selling point. <laughs> yeah, it is a cool collector's item, especially, like, there's a Bad Religion album that had sort of the same story where it got pulled and they didn't want it to be out and oh, the into the unknown yeah it's a terrible record but uh, it is it it's sucks a, dude it's so a new bad. wave it, you gotta hear it though it's, it's so bad. fucking awesome but like, uh they didn't want it to be released so he ordered them to the singer uh greg ordered them to be fucking destroyed so there was an undisclosed amount of copies left and i had a friend that paid what did Kurt, it's like 350 bucks for one or something. And then they came out with a bad religion box set <laughs> down the anyway. road and they reissued it <laughs> in the box set. Because that was the wow. only way you could get it. And then people were like just trying to buy that out of other people's box sets. Yeah. It got pretty fucking weird. It was such a bad album though. Oh yeah, I know. Butthole Surfers, uh, the last album they released was called Weird Revolution. Now the album was pretty much finished a couple of years before it came out. And it was called After the Astronaut. The album was supposed to come out in the late 90s. And then they filed a big lawsuit against their label for reasons. And the album was shelved for a couple of years. And they eventually reworked and remixed and deleted songs and added songs. And it became Weird Revolution. The only way you can hear After the Astronaut is if you go on YouTube. And they sent out promo copies on cassette. And that's it. Yep, that's it. After the Astronaut never got an official release. And some parts of it are better than Weird Revolution, and some parts of it are worse. It, the whole thing just kind of sounds unfinished. Has it been bootlegged yet? Yeah, it's been bootlegged a bunch. Okay. Yeah, it's like you put them both together, and you got, like, the whole story kind of mm. sounds like. Pretty much. What's something that's on your want list currently that you're hunting down? Like a pricier item. I'm sure you got a hundred different random things that are on there, but... Uh, the big thing I'm looking for is a mint copy of Christian Death's Only Fear of Pain original. I got an original copy pretty recently, and the fucking seller lied and said that it was like new, and oh, it was all scratched up. So, fuck. I mean, that pisses me off more than anything is when they fucking lie about the conditions. It's like, man, you told me it was in good shape. That's why I bought it. You know, I paid more money for this and then got shit. So, how scratched up is it? Not horrible. It still plays, but I'm pecky. You should. You can send it up to me if you want. I have a resurfacer, and I can resurface it and send it back to you. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I feel kind of weird about that because, like, you know, it just scratches off bits of the plastic, thins the disc. Yeah, I understand. I've seen some real shit CDs come out, like, nice. So, but, yeah, I understand. But, I mean, the option's on the table. If you ever want to, you just feel free to message me on Instagram, and I'll happily do it. Well, thank you. Yeah, Christian Deaths, even their vinyl is fucking expensive. Yeah. See that new box set that they put out in the last couple of years for Only Fear of Pain? Sounds like a book or something. Yep. Now that looks pretty cool. That's like 120 bucks, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I think retail was 120 but now I know it goes for almost double that. Damn. It's like, I hate that. Like, when the box set comes out, you, like, have to buy the shit right there or you just never just forget about it. A lot of times, yeah. The Ramones box set, though, didn't do no, as yeah. well as I thought it would. I, I, I agree. 
Or they just made a shitload. I don't know. I and think they like did 15,000, so I guess it is quite a few. That fucking, um, I got a Mayhem book, and I paid, like, the cover price for it, and then Ryan went to look to, like, get it, and it was, like, retarded. Bucks. Yeah, like, yeah. insane, dude. There's a there's the Guar book that came out a few years ago, Let There Be Guar. Mm-hmm. I got it as a Christmas present, and it sold out quickly. You go on eBay and look for that fucking thing, and that is pricey. You know what? Let me... Let me see how much that is now. Yeah, it's the just last I looked, a whole other thing, dude. Two hundred dollars. Wow. Let's see, three fifty, three fifty, two thirty. God damn. Yeah, that's I love not... the book, but man. <laughs> yeah, but that's a steep price yeah, for a book. It is. I've got some like huge, like I know you have this book too. I've seen it in your video, the True Norwegian Black Metal book. It's a big ass like photography book and it was sixty dollars, you know, whatever. And I have one that's sort of similar with Blue Note that's pretty big too, the jazz label. And uh they're worth it, but like when you get up into the two hundred dollar range for books, yeah, like, that's like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I could understand like, okay, this is autograph, this is a first edition, this is blah blah blah, there were only X amount made. I can see those things becoming a factor in that, but when it's just like yeah, they did. You know, it was a release that was probably not incredibly limited, but somewhat limited. And let's just jack the shit out of the price for it when it was probably twenty to forty dollars originally. Probably the last video I did was on the Nightwish book, Dark Passion Gallery. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, but you just yeah, said but it. I, I found out about it by complete accident because I was I was doing research on their biography, Once Upon a Nightwish, and on their Wikipedia page. On Next, it was sprayed out, Dark Passion Gallery. I was like, what is that? Well, came out in 2008, only had a 1,000 copies made, and the only copy that I could find was from Amazon in Germany. They wouldn't ship it to the United States, so I had it sent to my guy in Northern Ireland, and he sent it to me. Holy shit, dude. Talk about a plug. Yep, $90 later, and there it was. It was it was so rare. and I could barely find any pictures of it on Google or the Nightwish subreddit, but... That's why I wanted to do the video on it. That's not it's because bad. it was so damn hard to find. Yeah. 90 bucks? Not bad. Yeah, I feel like I bought a unicorn. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Man. Nightwish is a band that I don't hear many people talk about. I got into them when I was in, like, junior high. I believe I Wish I Had an Angel was the first Nightwish song that I heard. But I was, like, <laughs> big into Lacuna Coil at the time, and I stumbled across them just, like, through you know, association, you look for one band, they suggest you this, that, and the other. And I really like them. Like, I thought they were a really cool band, but I obviously people who are death metal only people are going to be like, no, nah, that's not my thing. But I thought they were... You really- know, I encounter that a lot. And the thing is, you know, if you cut yourself off from other types of music, you miss out on great stuff. Yep. You know? You're in this huge world, but living in a small little box. Yeah, that's why I don't understand people that, you know, like I was saying before, that listen to the same fucking 10 albums for the rest of their life, you know? Yeah. And there are are people who message me all the time. They're like, oh, well, is it okay to like this and that if you're into metal? It's like, dude, good music (laughs) is good music. All that matters is... You don't need my permission. Killbot is the gatekeeper of metal approval. Exactly. Like, yes, children, it's okay to like Tori Amos. Well, I see that with metal, but I see that with punk and goth music as well, where they're like, oh, well, is it okay to do this? Is it okay to like this? Dude, if you like it, that's all that matters. Yeah. 
I mean, there's tons of things that obviously when you're younger, everybody has that stigma of like, oh, I can't let my friends know I like this or whatever because it's fucking sounds weak or whatever. But eventually you grow out of it. And like I go by the same philosophy yeah, now. Like you. I'm like, fuck you. I don't care. And yeah. if I like it, I like it. I don't care if it's Lady Gaga or whatever the fuck. Like if I like it, I like it. I saw Tori Amos a few years ago. Man, I stuck out like a sore thumb in that audience. Yeah. <laughs> I had my leather jacket on, my Florida Angel shirt, my hair down. You can probably say you're one in five people who have gone to a Tori Amos show in a Morbid Angel shirt. Yeah. More than likely. Morbid Angel was a... Uh... Actually, the first death metal album, Damnation, was the first metal album that I ever bought. I think I was 12. Such an unnecessary stigma with that album, too. Some people hate that album, and I don't get it. I loved it. I thought it was great. It's slimy sounding, obviously, with where the slime lives on it. But just the whole... I still have the CD, too, actually. It's uh, not holding up great, and it's got some CD rot, but it's. I still kept it. Nice. Actually, I think it's in my kid's collection now because he nabbed it off me and was like, oh, I don't have this one. So, Wait, I'm right. <laughs> yeah, he's got a good collection. And uh, you've, uh, I have to say thanks for introducing him to quite a bit of good music, too. I mean, he's picked up on a lot of stuff from me and then just YouTube videos in general, but... A lot of this stuff, like, we'll be talking, and I'm like, how the fuck do you know, like, this band or that band? And, like, he's sh even shown me some stuff, you know, indirectly through you. Um, Sisters of Suffocation was a band that you introduced me yes. to a while back when we were talking on Instagram randomly that I really like. badass band. Yeah, I had never even heard of them, and, like, I've checked them out later on down the road. I usually just add everything to my Apple Music library and check it out, and if I like it, I keep it, if I get rid of it or, you know, whatever, and then I hunt out physicals of it. But they were an awesome band that I was not aware of yeah, at I've all. Yeah, never heard of them. I crowdfunded that album. That's cool. Yeah, that was nice. So my name is in the liar notes. <laughs> I love when that happens. But... I'll have to... <laughs> Which, uh, which the purple cover one? I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but I know it's got a purple color to it. Eradication. Oh, okay. Been talking to Emily on Instagram since about 2017 because she was doing posts about Ghoul, and obviously, being the big Ghoul fan that I am, I'm like, ooh, Ghoul. <laughs> Let's see, Crypt has another good one. Nervosa, of course, they're, they're going through some weird lineup changes, so it's not quite the same, but Old Nervosa's pretty good. See, those are two other bands. Yeah. That, there's like a, a new metal band pops up every day, so it's, it's literally it. impossible to keep up so with hard. all of them. I'll, I'll give the new Nervosa a chance, don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the cool thing about metal, you know, all these different bands that you can learn and be inspired by, hopefully. Yeah. Everybody wants to upload their stuff. <clears throat> Sometimes it's good. It's rare if that's good, but... <laughs> Did you? Are you into 200 Stab Wounds by chance? They're fucking good. That was a band that I originally heard and was kind of like, eh, whatever. Or they didn't like stick out right away, but then I listened to it again. I revisited it so and heavy. was like, holy shit, I totally overlooked this. And Stormkeep was another that took me by surprise in recent times. Wayfarer, um, Blood Incantation. They're which, opening up for Obituary. Yeah, they're a great band if you haven't listened yeah, to them yet. Um, Blood oh, Incantation absolutely. has members of Stormkeep and Wayfair also, and they have another like electronic black metal mashup project that I can't remember the name of. It's like like 
it's L Y K T N O N or something like that. I don't know the yeah. It's that bonus disc. Yeah, that's really good. How does an alchemist please his woman? How he licks her. Oh, nice, dude. Just do that shit. Just keep you on your toes. So, do you have any uh, upcoming YouTube videos planned that you care to give a little insider detail into? Oh, well, I've got this video that I've been scripting today on big shows versus small shows. Because there seems to be a big thing with that in the metal community. Oh, I'm not really into big shows. I'm I'm not not. really into big shows like that. It's like, okay. But I grew I've up had different. fucking great times at big shows. I, I can't. I don't. I'm like, I come from like a small show background, like hardcore shows. So if I go to like, I want to say the biggest show I've seen would have been like Rancid. And that was only like 3000 people. And I thought that was like too big. Huh. That's pretty small. Actually. I know. But that's like how, you know, that's how I grew up. Yeah. It was no, like, I, I understand. Like fucking 200 people are there. And it's like, that's a lot of fucking people, dude. You know, yeah. but it's not. I did see. The easy top was packed when I saw them. Yeah, they definitely would be. I seen a little. I think it was in your Instagram story, but I seen a mention of Motorhead's bomber in that episode that you're scripting. Were you talking about the big ass plane that they had to, on the stage? No, that's Iron Maiden because they had the oh. bomber for Aces High. Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, there's a motor, bomber on Motorhead. The, did it? Yeah, too. they had a bomber too. Yeah, but what what I'm talking about in the video. And the script isn't even finished yet, but I'm talking about high ticket prices and the fact that for bigger shows, you pay more for the tickets, but sometimes you can see where that money goes Yeah, because Iron Maiden, they have the money. They can do extra stuff like that where they have the Bonner and Eddie and moving animatronics and costume changes and cool stuff like that. Okay. I thought you were talking about Motorhead. See, my bad there. Yeah. But yeah, Iron Maiden definitely does put on a really crazy show, and the you can and Rob Zombie's another one that has all these crazy stage theatrics and props and, and things that, that he brings. And to out. me, that almost takes like with Ghost, that almost takes it to another level. Not yeah. uh, not so much going to see a band, you're going to like see an actual theatrical fucking show. You yeah, know? you're watching a performance, not right. just four dudes with guitars and basses and stuff punch each other in the face. I have fun doing that. <laughs> yeah, and some people might say, oh, well, it's not as intimate when they're playing for thousands of people. But, like, I think Danzig did an interview once where he was talking about, oh, well, you can still be intimate. You're just being intimate with more people. I mean, yeah. that's, that's just his point of view anyway. Well, yeah, I, I think know that resides some in the person. People, yeah, the intimacy thing I don't give a shit about. Some people are going to be showmen and some aren't. I mean, like back to what you said about like robert smith like obviously he's gonna carry out a great show and clearly like axel rose really doesn't care to anymore <laughs> or vince neal oh. yeah, yeah. i imagine you've seen the videos of him trying to sing that popped up like a year or so ago Fucking insane, dude. i saw a video where he walked off stage he was like i'm sorry guys my voice is shut and he walked off stage like halfway through the set oh, man <laughs> You, that dude did not age well at all. Let's yeah. see, Andrew Eldridge, he's another one. Like, look at footage of him. He sounded great in the 90s, but these days, man, it's like, God, quit smoking. Yeah. That's all you have to do is quit smoking, take some vocal lessons. You're <laughs> not too good, and you're not too old. Like, I don't even know how you would sound now, all haggard like. He's been around for yeah, quite a while. Time. So I'm trying to be like, Apple of love. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, there. And his his poor rhythm guitar player who's doing backup vocals. He's doing his best to elevate the show and save the disaster that is Eldritch's Walk voice. Away. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's the superstar behind yeah, the show. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Aldrich is just lip syncing. They are doing that tour. I know uh, I mentioned this to Killbot, and Jeremy's the one who originally told me, but they are touring again. It'd be cool to see him just to say you've seen him, but at the same time, like, yeah, I dude, know, I if it's going to suck, love him and I, don't I wouldn't want to go to it because yeah, it'll ruin it. it. Yeah, yeah, it'll ruin the band for me. Because if he gets up there and, like, ruins this corrosion or something, yeah, I'll be, be pissed. pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking paid for this shit. I'm leaving. But anyways, um, I'm pretty much set on questions, and I don't want to keep you here all day, and I do got to go back up front before the store closes to do a couple things. So, um, hey, I've enjoyed this. Yeah, it's been fun, man. Yeah, it was nice meeting you, dude, and talking and shit. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to do this, for one. Um, one other thing I did want to ask, are you going to do any Marshmallow sequel videos in the future? Well, I don't know what I would put in a sequel. I feel like I've kind of exhausted all my possibilities in the short two and a half minutes that the video was. Yeah, but, you but could... if you can think of any ideas, please. <laughs> Bring in some other uh, forms of hot chocolate and shit. Uh, yeah, Bring, dude. Make you, them yeah, we can shoot cocoa bombs out of cannons or something. All kinds of funny <laughs> shit. Well, I do have this idea for like metal baking where I just like That'd do cool. icing of metal band logos or something. That'd be oh, sweet. that'd be fucking sweet. Yeah, dude. I met a guy that went by the name of Black Metal Chef one time. And oh. he has a whole cooking book and everything. I think it was Black Metal Chef. He was at a Grand Rapids Comic Con that I was at, and he was like in a sea of Billy D. Williams and a bunch of like <laughs> random people. And he's just this dude in corpse paint, like slinging pots and pans and shit. <laughs> but yeah, that'd be something to look and do for your cooking show. But anyway, thanks again, man. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. It means a lot. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Thank you for the. Uh... The blood game and fetus and yeah, I got a list other of shit we can list look of up. things to check out now. And uh, uh, the first Switchblade Symphony album, look it up. It's fucking okay. good. Gotcha. You got anything else you would like to uh, add there before we sign off? How do you make a pool table laugh? Hmm. I don't know. You reach in its pockets and tickle its balls. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> <laughs> it's a good sign off. Have a nice day. <laughs> but all right, man, you have a good day. Uh, I hope you have fun at the show and at Guar Bar and all that stuff. Gracias. Yeah, holler at you later, man. Later. Calabunga, dude. Later. <laughs>